Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo. Mary Margaret West. Hey. And joining us for a special episode today, Mr. Andy McLean. Our Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and we had Man. this scheduled. Andy's feeling, he's feeling, he's promising us as we sit in the studio that he's not sick. Not contagious. Right. But residual effects of uh, being sick. Yeah, coming yeah. off of a little sickness, so he's got the super low voice. But Andy's joining us today, and if you've uh, if you've never met Andy, uh, let me tell you a little bit about him as we kick off the podcast today. Andy serves on our Lifeway students team and is our team leader for the Gospel Project students, so handles a lot of that content, all, in fact, of the content side of that resource. So if you use the Gospel Project, Andy's your man. Andy also is very degreed. He carries a master's in philosophy of science. I carry it, yep. It's in my back pocket All the time. So (laughs) proud that he carries it around. Uh, A master's of theology, an MDiv in apologetics, and is currently working on his Ph.D., so you definitely thank you. Thank gets you, a clap Margaret. for that. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, but uh, so I, I tell you that just to give so that you know a little bit about Andy, um, as well as some of Andy's education and work, because he does work so closely with the Gospel Project for Students and leads the way there and uh, edits content and writes much of it himself. And so um, that's one of the things, you know, like John Paul is manages our whole publishing area for Lifeway students. That's one of the things like we're really proud about it with our team is that we have somebody working with the gospel project that's like really smart. <laughs> yes. He's degreed out of his mind. Yeah, we've got a killer team. <laughs> <laughs> we've got I tell people all the time, they ask me, So do you write all the stuff? And I'm like, No, you don't want me to write any of it. Yeah. We've got some people that are writing this stuff that are way more qualified than I am to write some of this content. Uh, we really are proud to have Andy yeah. leading the way, not just for Gospel Project, but also overseeing the work that's done for Bible Studies for Life and Explore the Bible. Yeah, so we're really thankful that Andy's on our team. Andy, you've been here six years? Yeah, Coming six up on years. six? Yep. Um, you may have been one of the first hires after I got here for us. There may have been a camp person Right before you, but it was really early on. So, yeah. and he's been with the team for a long time. We're super thankful. Uh, and is the author of Big Questions, which is one of our uh, best-selling short-term Bible studies that is apologetics-driven. So, if you're looking for over a million sold, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the that. best-selling ever. The best-selling oh, okay. apologetics resource of all time. Right, right. Yeah, Andy, I want you to hear how we set that up. <laughs> it's our, our best-selling resource on apologetics. <laughs> That's right. I it's didn't mean to give so many qualifiers. <laughs> Our only resource <laughs> on apologetics. <laughs> on apologetics. <laughs> that's not true. No, that's we got a Robbie Zacharias resource. We do. Yeah. We do have a Robbie resource. Which is also awesome. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, we're, so this is a passion area for Andy. As I mentioned, he has a degree, uh, MDiv in apologetics. And so um, this is an area of passion for him. Um, and so we wanted to bring him in uh, because we wanted to talk 
specifically about some research that we're seeing on Generation Z. Now, I want to be clear about this because uh, those of you that follow along what we've been doing with LifeWay students a little bit, you know that we've recently done some research as well and have some podcasts coming up that are going to be focusing on that research. This research that we're going to talk about today is not ours. Uh, it was done as part of a Gen Z study from Barna. And so you can find out more information from the Barna group on that. So I just want to make sure that this is attributed where it goes, that we give credit to the right place and all of those things. But uh, one of the things that kind of jumped out to us that Andy's unique set of skills and abilities I think will be really beneficial to you as student pastors as we have this conversation is in regards to Generation Z and what they believe about, the, about science and the Bible. All right. So what we're seeing from Barna's research is that only about one in four among all Gen Z believes science and the Bible are complementary. So 28% is the actual number. Believe that science and the Bible are complementary, that they go with each other, that they belong together, mm -hmm. so to speak. Now, that may not you may not be surprised by that, but here's what was surprising to me. Gen X, which was just before was at 36% and then the boomers were at 45% believing that the that science and the bible were complementary. So what we're seeing is a generational slide towards the negative mm -hmm. in what people generally believe about science and the bible going together. So, we wanted to talk about that uh with the podcast today because um, I know that you who listen to this podcast are in the trenches of student ministry, and this is probably something that you might be noticing. Uh, if you are talking to your students about what they believe in certain specific areas, so that's one way that I think it'll be applicable. The other way I think it could be applicable is for those of you that are leading in student ministry that just never touch this side of, some, of someone's discipleship, and you never bring up um, issues of science or anything like that in your student ministry. And it's kind of a topic that, that I think for a lot of people is left in the corner and we might spend some time in Genesis and we might talk about creation a little bit, but it's, it's not really spent developing an apologetic or maybe not even for the purpose of defending, but helping someone in their course of discipleship see that, Hey, like, the Bible and science aren't at odds. They really are together, and that that has serious implications for our faith. So let's kick off the discussion um, with just, we won't spend a ton of time here, but just to kind of frame it up, what are some of the most frequently used arguments or issues in science that somebody would say, well, this is where Bible and science go away from each other? So those issues that, that, you know, the most frequent ones that probably teenagers would encounter yeah. along the way. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good place to start. One, one of the things I, I, I would say in regards to these numbers, though, is that they are looking better just from the millennial, the numbers that we're getting reported from the millennial generation. So the numbers are kind of taking a swing there and, and a positive direction in, in some regard as we discuss this relationship between science and religion. So Yeah, so, so from what you're seeing, it would be, Boomers and then slide down to Gen X and then slide up a little bit for millennials and then back down for 
right for the Zers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think there's a bit of a swing. It's a, it's a small early indication, but I think that it's moving there. But I also just see this from a cultural point of view. Uh, because the conversation at the level of the academy in, in college settings and high school settings is changing a bit. And so um, now, you know, we said beforehand, let, let's dive into some of these topics that sort of uh, get classified as, you know, sort of being a conflict between science and, and the Bible or Christianity and the Bible. And and we can talk about some of those. And, there, and there's a few of those. But but I would say, though, primarily that, it, that it's uh, it's just kind of a, a cultural mindset, too. Because those issues have always been around. Yeah. And so dealing with the boomers, so, you know, when it came comes to uh, the first three chapters of Genesis and how do we understand those? Uh, do we take a very strict literal interpretation uh, or, you know, what, what's going on there? Can, can we, um, you know, bring in some other sort of hermeneutical interpretations of it? Do we interpret this as a young earth type setting or an old earth? How do we understand science to sort of speak into that? Look, that's been around since the boomers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, issues like that, issues in regards to um, <clears throat> uh, us as people and the whole evolutionary debate, that's been around uh, since the boomers as well. And yeah. so, look, it's not necessarily like the questions and the specific biblical topics uh, that sort of uh, get sort of uh, labeled as these conflicting conflicting topics, so to speak. Uh, it's 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 the cultural mindset. So one of the reasons that I think we see this sort of change in numbers is uh, is because number one, we have these very small but very vocal atheists within our culture that sort of contribute. Man, they they they're they're really good at making noise. They're really good at sort of bringing. Uh, sort of this this conflict, this warfare scenario between science and religion, and so people like Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, uh, Daniel Dennett, and uh, the the late Christopher Hitchens. He was, you know, these these people Naming names. Man, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they're you know, they're 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 known Hitchens. as like they're known. You know, they they're they're kind of like leaving the scene a little bit. But the past ten years, these guys have been known as like the new atheists. Yeah. So they're like militant, right? Like Bill Nye. So, yeah. <laughs> so. So Bill Nye, you <laughs> mad, dude? I mean, <laughs> does he fall into just, the militant? No, but he where science. he did show up at a what was the big political? Well, you would put him in a, a in the atheist science category, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think I think that that's his his position for sure. But I don't know if I would say like like he's probably more of a friendly atheist though. Oh. Like, like he's not going to say you're stupid for holding your beliefs. You know, he's not going to be like just a jerk about it. Yeah. So, but that's like uh, a Richard Dawkins. I mean, they're basically saying, look, uh, religion is bad for the world. Yeah. Christianity, you know, th- th- it's it's bad for you. You should stop this. We should, you know, basically, you know, force, uh, you know, parents to stop teaching their children, you know, uh, religious beliefs. I mean, so they, they want to eradicate the world of all religious beliefs. So you I think it's bad for them. So you would say then in regards to that, that, and I, I think this is helpful for student pastors to know, because I think we want just in anything, we want the checklist of stuff. Okay. If, if I do these things, I'm going to be able to combat this. But so what you're saying is it's not necessarily specific arguments that are the beginning of the, of science and the Bible diverging but that it's the general state of our culture that is pushing back against anything Bible and against anything ultimate authority, against anything Christian. There are just certain things that people grab onto and say, see, this is why. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that's one thing. So I think it's twofold. I think the arguments do come in. I think these uh, these biblical topics intend to be hot 
hot topics of, of conflict. So those are those, those are important. But I, I think when it comes to those topics, uh, we the, the the church has sort of lost its identity of of of, of just being able to think through these topics. You know, throughout the 20th century, perfect example. I mean, we we just see, you know, if you look at the history of evangelicalism within America itself, right, and you, you see this sort of uh, this strand of in, uh, anti-intellectualism uh, throughout the, the the history of the American church. Yeah. And so all of that sort of you know plays uh, out in this whole narrative mm-hmm. of 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 the Bible and how it sort of interacts with science, and uh, and and training our people to think, you know, critically through these topics. So. The boomers and the generations that uh, preceded them, they were able to think through these biblical topics, and from not from an anti-intellectual point of view, but but think deeply about them, to consider the alternative uh, biblical interpretations of these topics, uh, to consider you know uh, what you know effects it had on other points of theology, etc. We in the church have just lost our ability to do that. We, you know, that's why seminaries came about because the church was failing to do its job and training its own people, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, so I think it's the vocal people, and then I think it's also we just really haven't trained our people to think well about these topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think part of this too, I know one thing that that we've seen before come out in different research uh, is that boomers and generations before tended to be more trusting generations of leadership. And so as a church leader says, these things are what we believe to be true, the congregants generally would say, well, that's what my pastor said. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe to be true as well. Now, as we, as we move through the generations, we have a, a generation of young people and students that say, I'm not, I, you've lost my trust at this point. So I'm not just going to believe what you say. I'm going to believe what you can prove to me. And I think that's where this anti-intellectualism comes into play because we don't have anybody that can prove to them that this is true. That's too strong a statement. There aren't a whole lot of voices that are standing up to say this is true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are some of those really loud voices talking about the science end of things. And so don't you think part of that is probably playing into it that, the loudest voices are the ones that these younger generations are hearing, and so they're compelled to say, well, he can prove his side. You haven't proved yours, so I'm going to lean this direction. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right, and I think that <clears throat> science in itself has been hijacked by those individuals. So the people with the loudest voices, they're using science as this medium, right? So it, it is this sort of like sort of uh, arbitrary third, you know, it's it's neutral. You know, it's a discipline. It's a discipline of investigation. It's looking at the world. It's looking for order. It's looking to, to you know, to, to create a language in which we can sort of explain, you know, the, the natural causes around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not saying one way or the other, but it's being used, you know, by this particular, uh, you know, crowd and, and saying it, it's sort of being hijacked uh, to, to, to say, uh, to, make, to make it say, you know, uh, things that, that you would hear from atheistic worldview, so to speak. So, right. Yeah. And do you think, too, Andy, that like with the, the information era that we're in right now, I think when we look at generations, that has to come into an effect, wouldn't you think, on just the availability of information, whether it's 
like legit information or not. Like, but you could go on YouTube and like find somebody talking about just about any topic, you know, or on Twitter or like anywhere on social media and find voices that are speaking into different ways of thinking that now I think students have access to in a way that their parents, um, you know, didn't, that we didn't, you know, as teenagers. And, um, and just the availability of some type of information, whether or not it's good, it plays into effect. Do you think that that is a piece of it? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think there's, you know, obviously a, a positive side and a negative side to that, as yeah. always. Yes. As, as everything that's out there on the Internet. So, man, so that's the thing. So one of the things that I want to help students and, and, and one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this specific aspect of apologetics is uh, uh, this, you know, the more scientific apologetics is because every time I used to do sort of a Q&A with students, uh, either doing like, a, you know, a D-Now retreat or with my own students, uh, anytime I, uh, I talk to, to friends who are still doing this, um, you know, we, we used to make sort of Q&As a regular part of our student ministry. And, uh, and so, and one of the first questions uh, if not the first, you know, one of the first three questions that was asked all the time had to do with an issue related to science and, 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 and their faith. And men is, and, and, you know, most people don't, um, most people don't sort of talk about, you know, this because I was, in, in fact, I have some, you know, just a couple of months ago, I was at Etch and I was doing like a talk on apologetics. I was researching another study, uh, which sort of identified the top six reasons uh, young people are leaving the church. Five of those six reasons were apologetic in nature and one of those was science and so you know we 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 we're, we're talking about this but a lot of people don't want to talk about it because they feel ill-equipped to talk about it but see that's yeah. the thing is that there are tons of resources out there mm-hmm. that can you know help you know just lay leaders put it into the hands of their students to kind of get them thinking hey look you know this is something that's interesting from from you know a, a authority figures people who who are, are committed christians who mm-hmm who um, are well-credentialed, you know, sort of in the faith, but also well-credentialed in science as well. Yeah. So they, 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 they've, they've done their, you know, they work, you know, they have the, the letters behind their name. They know the material. And so that's one of the great things about having stuff out there. Um, and, and, and even just watching debates, man. I know that that sounds like the most boring is thing. But, dude, I'm telling you, um, you know, you see someone like a William Lane Craig or, and, and, and pair up with, like, one of these – well-known new atheists who are really vocal and very passionate, they'll get an entire coliseum of college students packing this thing out. They'll get in a whole arena of, of young age people interested because yeah. this is such an important topic. Yeah. In fact, I mean, it, it's one of the most important topics. It, if, if we really do believe that science is a legitimate discipline that, 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 and tool that co- uncovers, you know, the truth about our world and our existence, then... Um, then and if, if people are saying that it contradicts what we believe, we should take that very seriously, right? And mm-hmm. we should be thinking very yeah. intelligently about that and whether it's true or not. And so, yeah, let me co- connect a couple dots for you as you listen, because I think your last point there is well made in that this this isn't just one belief that we can kind of set over in the corner and say, well. If my students find themselves in a place where they don't believe science and the Bible are complementary, they can still hold fast to this Christian belief system. And science, they can kind of go do, think whatever they want about science. What matters most is what they believe about Jesus. And while that sounds easy and like, oh, well, what they, what they believe about Jesus matters 
not really what they believe about science. While that sounds neat, it's it breaks apart the belief system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just one thing, like if it's, you can't pick and choose scripture. So either Jesus is who he says he is, and Genesis is also what it says. Yeah. Or neither of them are. Right? Like you can't. And I think we have uh, people are are eager to pick and choose. And like you said, there are debates within interpretation of what Genesis is. And this podcast isn't necessarily to get into each one of those debates. But the fact remains that if we're going to take what Scripture says about who God is, about sin, about how sin came to us, how we how we are born in sin and Jesus was the deliverer and the redeemer. If we want to take God's plan of redemption from cover to cover, that includes this origins issue and it includes science. And we shouldn't shy away from that in student ministry. Your other point that you made, uh, so it matters deeply to what we believe. They mm-hmm. go together, yeah. our belief system and the Bible and science. We, we have to reconcile that. The other thing that you said uh, was that there are, you t- start talking about all the resources um, and that people kind of shy away from the conversation because they're not equipped to have the conversation. And I think the reality of it is, uh, is that maybe this anti-intellectualism in the church has found its way in some part into church leadership to where people are less likely to continually developing themselves and educating themselves on what they believe across the spectrum in order to disciple someone, in order to be ready for questions that may be asked. It's like, man, I I finished science freshman year of college, and I don't ever want to go back to that, and so I'm not going to put any effort there. And as a result of us not putting any effort there, when we're in charge of leading others— we're really doing them an injustice because we're not at least conversant. Now, I would say you don't have to go get a master's degree in science in order to be a student pastor. That would be foolish. But you should be conversant. But you can plug a a book from one of these William Lane Craig's or a Lee Strobel into your list of books that you want to read this year and at least become aware of some of the major yeah, topics right. and major yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. If you do nothing other than say, you know what, I'm not an expert in this, but I have read this. Let's look at this together. Or, you know, or let me run off some copies of a few of these pages. You read it and let's talk about it. Or, you know, even just pointing them to the voices because you know who's speaking into it is better than, you know, just ignoring the issue and saying, ah, let's just, you know. Yeah. Just, just come on Wednesday. We'll talk about yeah. something yeah. else that's more important. Because you that's better right. believe that on the other end of things, like that science teachers and, you know, people who in, in these new atheists are, are doing the same thing on the other side of the coin, that they are reading to gain knowledge, you know, of, of probably scripture and things like that so that they can push their point further. And so, you know, we've got to be good stewards to do the same thing on our end. Yeah. Well, and I think the the reality of this issue is that your teenagers are going to be asking these questions. That's right. At some point, they are going to be working through in Mm -hmm. their mind their reconciliation of what our culture is saying about science and what you and the church are saying about the Bible. They're, They're going to think through this. 
And so the application part of that is, man, wouldn't it be great if student ministry was a place that was safe, that allowed teenagers to wrestle through that reconciliation where there's a scriptural influence rather than getting on YouTube and searching it and landing wherever they land or just choosing to set it aside and then being neutral about it because that impacts their faith as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, especially in regards to the, the man, you can't uh, treat these uh, things as being independent in your life, right? You can't say that they're not going to have any overlap. Uh, and that's what uh, people have traditionally done, especially yeah. like, um, you know, within America. And uh, man, we, 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 we've looked at sort of our faith and as more of a privatized thing that it has to do with more morals and, you know, our values, what we, you know, what we really do, what we value, and, you know, it has to do more with morality than the actual, you know, objective truthfulness out there, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then science, oh, no, that's, that doesn't have anything to do with morals or values. That just has to do with truth, you know, the, the whole card, uh, cold facts. Um, and so, but that's not the case at all, man. There's so much overlap here. Yeah, so go into that a little bit more. Um, Science is just cold, hard facts. We can do science, and it tells us yes or no. Yeah, yeah. And I specifically am interested in the relationship between that and our morals as being a part of our belief system. Like, how do those things interface? So one of the really interesting things about about science, for me, is, is just the fact that, man, we have sort of a working definition of science, uh, but but there's no sort of like a, a, all the scientists, all the you know great scientists, all the sort of cutting edge modern day scientists, they 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 all disagree on what that definition is. You know, they they might have like a working discipline, uh, a working definition in their specific field of science. And that's the thing about about science is that every sort of field of science, you know, you look at biology, chemistry, microbiology, uh, bi- biochemistry, cosmology, astronomy. I mean, uh, do I have a, a favorite? Yeah. Not particularly, because I'm not like a, so I'm more into the philosophy behind science, right? right? And so I'm kind of like looking, I'll dive in and, and try to, you know, get wet in some of these different areas. And, and, and you know, I've had to I learn a little bit of, of that in there. But but I'm, I'm more interested in sort of these, the guiding principles behind science um, and, and, and sort of entering into that discussion. But that, that's completely beside the point. I, so, Mary Margaret, what's your favorite science field? Geology, um, botany, biology, zoology, micro. It's definitely not chemistry because that almost killed me in college. So I would go with um, theology. <laughs> <laughs> Andy just vomited in his mouth a little bit. Do you have a favorite science? Probably like physical science because I think it's more like vis- like the things that are visible that we deal with on a regular basis. Yeah. Podcast. Ology. <laughs> Do you John think Paul? by adding ology it makes it scientific? <laughs> that makes it a John science. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Do you have a favorite science? I don't have a favorite science. I've decided to just stick to scripture. <laughs> That's nice. That's awesome. Well done. Ben, do you have a favorite science? Geology. Geology. Rocks. I like You're a fan of the rocks. Eh? I like to know what the different rocks are. So everybody has like a different uh, definition because you know they're studying something different, right? Yeah. So you know, versus looking up at the, the heavens, the stars in the sky, looking at uh, invisible forces behind you know physics, 
versus looking at a cell are completely different. And so the medium to study those things is very different, right? So, so the object of what you're studying will always determine the method behind and the way that you study it, all right? So that's kind of important to science. All right. And uh, and science, you know, again, it's it's uh, and we're going to get through the question about morality here, but I'm just taking the long way around because <laughs> no. it's, it's important. It's good. All right. So one of the things, though, about uh, about science specifically is that um, you, know, you have people that are coming uh, to the table and looking at it and trying to interpret the data. Right. Right. All right. So facts, they're not self-interpreting individuals, minds, they interpret the facts. And so if you came into work one day and you saw that all the Kit Kats had been eaten out of Patty's jar. I'd say Andy ate the Kit Kats. That would be your interpretation. Andy <laughs> had been here and Andy had beaten me to these. <laughs> That's the right way to put it. All right. So, but you wouldn't know that. Like you would have to do a little bit of investigation. That's true. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you, based upon past experience, you might be... <laughs> You have a lot of credibility to believe that. <laughs> the likelihood of Andy having eaten them is high. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So the probability is high, but you're not you're not you know certain about that. Right. So because I do haven't it. visibly witnessed it. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah. So it could have been taken by by Nathan. He's right across from him, and you know he's he's a little Kit Kat you know um, person as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little Kit Kat himself. <laughs> that Nathan, That's he's a Kit Kat we have we have two nicknames for Nathan: <laughs> producer Nathan and Kit Kat. <laughs> you were saying. <laughs> so it could have been Nathan that got these, right? So he yeah. could have uh, he could have taken them. Um, so, but that but that's the thing about all science. So, like everybody's bringing their. So you you have to start to to realize, okay, what's the best explanation of the of the of the data that I have, of the facts. Facts aren't self-interpreting. I have to make sense of this. I have to put a narrative on this. I have to uh, try to figure out, you know, what, what makes the most, the most sense here. And there's, a, you know, different criteria that science, uh, scientists use to do that. But, but the thing here, though, is one of the most fascinating points that I would bring up and that any sort of student leader can bring up to students is the fact that, man, this is what sort of got modern-day science, uh, it's, you know, on the scene, uh, sort of coming out of, of, of Renaissance Europe. I mean, this is what uh, some of the most uh, famous scientists that we know, uh, you know, individuals like Copernicus, Bacon, Kepler, Galileo, uh, Descartes, Pascal, Newton, all of these guys, they were Christians, and they had this fundamental belief, right, that uh, the, the Christian God is an orderly God, yeah. and if he creates something, it's going to be rational, it's going to be orderly, it's going to reflect him. Right. And so they sort of approached, uh, you know, their world in the same way. Uh, Let's go see if based upon our belief in in this Christian God, if the world is orderly, if it makes sense, if it can be discernible, you know, uh, if it's if it's structured and lo and behold, it was. And so, you know, we we, we see the beginning workings of science there. Yeah. Now, you can't do science apart from order. Right. You can't do it apart from structure. Mm-hmm. And so it anticipates it. it, it, it the, the whole pretext of doing science is that you have sort of an ordered system uh, that sort of operates in, in, a, in, a, in a logical way. And that right there is is from a, a Christian presupposition. Yeah. Like that. That comes from a Christian worldview, not an atheistic worldview. That says, you know, all of this is random. All of this is just by chance. All of this is just uh, a mindless matter in motion, right? And then universe and us included, you know, we're just, uh, you know, and you know, we're we're just a, a, a cosmic accident. 
according to what Richard Dawkins would say. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, but that's, that's, uh, that's not the case at all. That's not what we find within science itself. And so, uh, man, look, you know, student leaders may not be able to maybe speak into some of the specifics. I think student pastors should, to go to your point earlier, John Paul, I think that they have a moral imperative to, to pick up a book and, and, and to be, you know, uh, to, to know how to navigate a conversation with a student because their, their students have questions about science. Yeah. And they shouldn't be, you know, they should ignore that fact. And so they have questions. They should create a safe environment in which questions like that can be asked. And then they should know about how to navigate those conversations. But at the very least, they can affirm the fact that, look, Christianity and science are not at odds together. There's no warfare. And, 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 and the pop culture is starting to realize that. The academy has obviously realized it for some time, but it, it takes time, you know, from things at the university level to trickle down to pop culture. But they're starting to realize it. And I think that that's why we see this uh, a bit of a, a change in the numbers here. But, you know, we need to inform our students that there's no conflict there. In fact, they're very complementary. In fact, the science that we know, the science that operates today came, you know, uh, you know from, from a, a, a Christian worldview. Man, I, th- I think that's a great point about the Christian worldview of the people that you mentioned, um, which when you said Galileo, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody immediately Galileo, started Galileo. playing in my mind. But when you made all the, <laughs> when you named all the people and you made the point that like, hey, they, they were coming from God is orderly, and so this is the way I'm going to approach science. And I think a real practical application is as we have seen evidence that God is orderly in the way that he does things and the way that he created, God is orderly. Like if we take, so with the gospel project, one of the things that we do with the gospel project that you focus on in every single lesson is that the Bible isn't just a bunch of stories put together. It's one story from cover to cover of God's plan of redeeming his people. Right. And so there's Jesus throughout the Bible, not just in the in the New Testament, not just in the Gospels. He is he is everywhere. And so God is orderly in the way he created. God is orderly in the way that he unfolded his plan of redemption. God is orderly in all of those things. When we sit down and look at the whole testimony of Scripture, then God is also orderly with me. And God, God has a clear plan and purpose for me in redeeming me and giving me the holiness of Christ and then empowering me to live out that life for him. Like there is order and process to that. And I think that's something that could give teenagers a lot of confidence to be able to say, man, God had a plan for creation. Mm -hmm. God had a plan for his son. God had, if we want to go into like patriarchal history, God had a plan for his people, mm-hmm. for Jesus to be to come through this specific line that didn't always include the firstborn, that didn't always include the people that you thought should be, but there's order and there's a clear path to that. Yeah. And so, man, if God's going to be orderly and give purpose behind all of these things, then he's going to do that for me too. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, as you were talking, that mm-hmm. was something that really jumped out to me and saying, man, that's... As a non-teenager, that's really cool to think about. And for a teenager, I know that it would be the same. It's like, oh, man. It's like this. This God has a plan for you stuff isn't just something we say in church. Yeah. It's actually backed by the congruency between science and scripture and by God's hand 
working throughout the testimony of the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And there are some students in your student ministry who need to hear you work through some of this because it's fascinating to them. They're asking a lot of questions. And I think just to brush it off would be a disservice yeah. to them, like yeah. to, to what God's doing to stir those desires so that they could be the type of, of students and then leaders, you know, who would be grounded um, in scripture and in science both together. Right. That's great that you picked up on that because that's, that's, that's pretty cool. So there, you know, we, we want to, to, to show them, to be able to sort of trace God's sort of providential hand, this invisible hand throughout redemptive history, uh, to show that, look, there's a, you know, God is, is is at work and he's orchestrating things. You can look back in history and see that student, but also just look at some of the discoveries here, you know, and in, in, in science itself in the last 10 years. And, and you can easily point students to this uh, just within cosmology. That's the most fascinating thing. Look at some of these sort of what they call anthropic, uh, principles anthropic phenomenon right so and I know it's a big word but just just google it okay you will see how there the 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 universe that we live in the solar system our solar system but also the universe itself how fine tuned it is uh to 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 support life and the life as we know it and so just looking at some of the 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 fine tuned uh, uh qualities of our solar system man it's crazy to look how just some of this stuff, if it was just off a small percentage, right? Life as we know it would not exist. And so this is like, this is making some of the most hardened atheistic scientists yeah. realize, wow, there's, this is crazy. Like there's, there's, there has to be something else going on here. Uh, the numbers here are just like that earth shattering to them. And so just, you know, being able to just point that to students and look, man, this is, you know, uh, if if it some of the if and that's not going to bring them to faith, obviously, but it might help them overcome any intellectual obstacles that they may have to faith, right? Yeah. So and it's training them to be an intellectual believer as well as an emotional believer, and I think, I think that's a key thing as people move through their relationship with the Lord that it's okay to have feelings and emotions in our in our relationship with Jesus and we're meant to it's also okay to follow Jesus from an intellectual standpoint and those things have to be able they have to be able to go together and i think in large part we have forsaken the intellectual part of our faith in order to embrace the emotional part of our faith when we should be able to hold those two things together right yeah well andy thanks for uh, taking time out to be on the podcast today. We really appreciate yeah, you being here. Yeah, it was great to be here. And your work on the Gospel Project and big questions and all that stuff. You make a difference on our team. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and discussion on science and Scripture being complimentary and the different angles that your students are dealing with and how you can help uh, resource them, encourage them, and pour into them in their discipleship. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.